For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. That is the show. That is this podcast. My name is Shane Toll. I will be your host like every week as I take you into the backstage conversations that I have with other front men and front women. And we have the return of an original guest. Dan Campbell of the Wonder Years is back. It's crazy. It has been over five years since we did our first episode. I convinced him to do the show when it wasn't a thing. (laughs) But he graciously accepted, and I think I've got to give him some credit for helping me start this thing. And here we are, over five years and 250 episodes later, talking again, and so much has happened. I don't want to spoil it, but man, it's an exciting time for the Wonder Years. Lots of fun stuff they're always doing. I'm telling you, if you are a big Wonder Years fan, it must just be a great life because they are always giving you the coolest stuff. And what they just released, this gigantic box set, of the Upsides 10-year anniversary. That's up for pre-order now, so check that out. And they've got a couple new songs, which I'm going to play at the end as well, but this conversation is totally awesome. Before we get into that, some news. Twitch, yeah, that's a thing now, especially if you're interested in music and not just video games. Twitch has it, and we are a big part of it now. If you go over to twitch.tv slash Shane Told, you'll find my channel 
where I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff, but tons of podcast-related things. In fact, just yesterday, I had Sonny of POD live on Twitch. We were chatting on there. Don't worry, I recorded it. It will be an upcoming episode of the podcast. They always will be. But it's cool to see it live. It's cool to get a visual component, which we've never done before either. So check it out. For real, go over there, give me a follow, twitch.tv slash Shane Told, and I'm doing a lot of personal music stuff on there as well, playing tunes and everything else. If you like Silverstein, you're going to want to check that out. Silverstein, we got a Twitch channel too, more and more on there all the time as well. The Silverstein one is Silverstein Music. So yeah, head over to Twitch, lots going on, not just for gamers, and we're really excited about it. As always, you can get in touch, too. You can email me real easy, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read all my emails. It has been a very busy last, like, month and a half. I don't know where the last month and a half has gone. I don't know where the last year has gone. We are, what, a week from Christmas now? That is just crazy to me. Oh, my goodness. But, hey, we're dealing with it. We're getting through it. But, yes, I still have time to read my emails. I don't. I try to get back to everybody. I know sometimes I have my days. But email me if you got suggestions for upcoming guests. And if you want to help out the show, be sure to check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. That's what keeps this thing going every week for free with great guests like Soupy. So yes, please contribute on there if you can for as little as $6 a month. That gets you all kinds of bonus material and merchandise and an amazing community. Shout out to all my sinners worldwide. We have such a good time on there as well. Maybe you're looking for a last minute Christmas gift for somebody. Maybe they're a fan of the podcast. Maybe they're a fan of music. I think there's something for any music fan here. So look into that. The gift that keeps on giving. There's annual subscriptions available too. So you're not on the hook moving forward. LeadsingerSyndrome.com slash all access give it a look also while i have you don't miss this friday right here on this podcast feed mike howell and i are counting down our top albums of the year yes we do it every week on this is the new shit well this is the end of the year extravaganza this is the new shit and i'm gonna give you my top 10 list Still undecided. I'm still moving things around. Spoiler alert, though, this year has been awesome for new music. So, yes, make sure you don't miss that. It will be up on Friday morning. All right. Well, that's the intro. Let's get in to my conversation with Dan Soupy Campbell of The Wonder Years. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. How are you? Good. Yeah. You know, can't complain. Things are uh, things are what they are. Could be a fucking hell of a lot worse, right? Yeah. Right. 
I think the, the only thing I would disagree with you about is that you definitely can complain. You're totally allowed to complain if you want to. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, I'm on board for that. I'm here, with, I'm here with Mr. Dan Soupy Campbell, a friend of the show, an OG guest of the podcast. I believe it was episode two, Dan, that you were on. That's oh, pretty really? wild. You didn't know I that? I didn't know that. I thought it was like in like the first like 20. I didn't realize it was the first two. Yeah, no, I oh, I had no idea what I was doing when we when we spoke. I think it was like on your bandwagon in Toronto like 5 years ago. Yeah, um, that sounds right. More than more than 5 years ago. Yeah, no, it was um yeah, you were one of the guinea pigs. And thank you for allowing me to talk to you even when I didn't have like a thing set up yet. It's like no, no, don't worry. The podcast is coming. And now it's like 250 <laughs> episodes later I've done of this thing, if you can believe it. That's wild. Well, I'm a, an officially a recurring guest now. <laughs> yeah. Just every five years we check in on you, see how you're doing. Pop in, see how things have been. Right. Well, a lot's happened in five years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You, got, you, you have a child, don't you? I do. You actually might hear him because uh, I'm in the basement and he is above me and he loves to run. So you might hear his footsteps. <laughs> That's cool. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, how old is he now? He is 19 months. Nine, okay. 19 months. Okay. That's so like, yeah. When do you stop saying months and start saying years? That's I kind of I mean. think once you cross two. Okay. And then you, you, you kind of get like two, two and a half, three. Right. But at this point, like month to month, there's still so much happening developmentally and like honestly, like week to week and day to day and sometimes hour to hour that like just saying like if I just said he's one, that could mean sure. he doesn't know how to walk yet For or sure. he's sure. talking. Yeah, no, that, that makes total, total sense. I'm still childless all these years later. But um, I mean, having a child now during this year you know, you being such a road dog, obviously with the Wonder Years and even with Aaron West, you know, it, I don't know how to ask the question, but it's like, I guess in some ways the pandemic is coming at a good time and a bad time, right? Because obviously you need to be on the road support your, supporting your family that way, but at least you're home now to watch your son grow up, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So there's some silver lining there. Mm -hmm. Um, when we canceled the tour in the middle of it and, uh, in March and came home, um, I, you know, it was still within the range of when I would have been on tour was when he took his first steps. And so I was like, Oh, I would have missed that. I would have missed him taking his first steps. Right. I would have been in like Buffalo. So, uh, and <laughs> I love Buffalo. I do <laughs> hell of a city. Go Bills. Um, but you know, I'd rather see, rather see the kid take his steps. Um, so there's some of that. Um, but then it presents like a whole new array of challenges. Right. So like, yeah. you know, most prominently I would guess obviously is like, like you mentioned is like, how do you pay the bills when your whole job is being in rooms with, you know, a thousand, 2000, whatever people yeah. yelling in the middle of the pandemic. Right. Yep. And then there's obviously like the, the, the just general fear and anxiety. My wife and I are both like crazy anxious people. And so like, you know, we have been really pretty tightly locked down now um, for God damn. What has it been like nine months? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it has been. So like he doesn't see other kids at all, um, which I, I feel really guilty about. Like, right. I mean, you know, there's all these like developmental things that he's probably 
you know, not missing out on, but like maybe missing out on a little bit. Um, so that's really difficult to deal with and to parse and to be like, I'm, I think that I'm doing the right thing, right? I think that I'm keeping you safe. Right. And, but also like, you probably need to be around other kids to like learn and, and grow and, and uh, continue to expand. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess no one really knows yet. Right. Because what, when is this has never happened? It happened a hundred years ago, you know? Yeah. Yeah, not a whole lot of data from the Spanish flu. Right? It was a Philadelphia had it the worst. I know that. Because we had a goddamn parade. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, right? We've learned nothing. We have learned nothing. Nothing. Oh. Nothing. But, but you know what I mean, though? Like, I mean, obviously things have come a long way, but this has never happened before. And, of course, there's so many things like, you know, your son can learn, you know, using iPads and, and computers and, and whatever, right? There's lots of interactive things that I'm sure I don't think it's yeah. it's, it's doing too much damage but you know of course we wouldn't want this to go on for another let's say five years then then no no yeah exactly it's just a matter of like social stuff you know um and then also a matter of like so um we're lucky in that my wife's company has uh graciously allowed her and uh, i think almost every employee to work from home during this entire in the entirety of this but she's locked in the office during the day yeah. And, you know, we're not comfortable sending him to daycare or anything. And so, like, I'm with him, you know, 40 hour work week is just me and me and the kiddo, which is great for time together, but also like makes it really difficult to like write songs or yeah. um, work on merch lines or live streams or any of the things that we've had to do to keep. So then there's like this balancing act where like I'm still trying to do our job pretty full time, but I'm also trying to tend to the kid also full time and then you start thinking am i just doing both of them poorly <laughs> is that what's happening right now <laughs> i mean that's like what life has become i feel like when you're in your 30s it's just a juggling act of you know and, and you do your best right and it's I, I feel like it's all about trying just to be present in whatever you're doing you know the more like i watched that uh, i'm sure you watched it too being a bit of a sports guy but um the the michael jordan documentary on netflix yeah, I watched um, it, yeah. The Last Dance, I believe it was called. Yeah, a few months ago now. Imagine It's amazing how fast things kind of like you start to forget with all the, the stuff coming out. But, yeah. you know, they talked about how part of what, Michael, what made Michael Jordan so good was his ability to just constantly be in the moment. To Like, whatever moment he's in, he is, you have his focus, right? He is focused on that task. And it really got me thinking, that theory of just like, okay, I'm stop thinking about other things like think about talking to Dan from the Wonder Years right now you know what I mean think about what I'm gonna say how I'm gonna work like you know what I mean and if you can just do that all the time in your life imagine how pro- productive you could be right yeah well it's, I guess that's why not everyone is Jordan and why I'm, me. I'm, <laughs> I'm like yeah no I'm I'm playing you know we're, we're playing uh whatever game he wants to play but i'm also sending an email with my left eye i know, you know? Right? <laughs> um and i feel bad about it but it's like that's the work yeah, has to get done and yep. he has to be cared for and and the you know they're not they, they both have to happen at the same time absolutely i know i know um you talked a little bit about the middle of march and i know your last show was at the ready room in st louis um Kind of like at that weird point where, like, we were on tour too. Our last show was, uh, I guess, the day before yours, I think, or two days before yours in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it was a really weird time when it's like, what do we do? Do we pack it up? Do we go home? Is this real? Like, no one really knew at that point what what, what to do, right? 
Um, yeah. Walk me through just that, what it was like for you guys, figuring that out, having to go home. Um, uh, I mean, we were extremely depressed, I think all of us at first, especially being in the middle of a 20-year anniversary tour. Um, but walk me through that and just, just how you guys dealt with that, you know, being yeah. in the Midwest at that point. Well, so we were coming, we had rounded, you know, the, we were doing the country basically, um, clockwise, doing America clockwise. Uh And so we had rounded the West coast and we were coming back East. Um, and the West coast was kind of interesting because that's where flare ups were kind of starting, but there was no data at this point, no, no leadership, no mandate, no idea of like how many people people have this and how communicable is it and what should we be doing to keep ourselves and everyone else safe but there were kind of murmurs when we were in like san francisco like hey this might be one of the last nights right the shows are happening here um and then we went east into uh salt lake and denver where there wasn't really a presence happening with with the you know with the virus yet there wasn't a whole lot of like cases popping up in those areas. Um, and, but I remember being in Denver and just reading the news and being like, I am sure that we're going to not be able to finish this tour. Yeah. I don't know exactly how many shows we're going to play still, but I know that it's, we're not going to get, we had I think nine more at that point. And I was like, I know right. that we're not going to get through the nine. Um, and you know, you could ask, uh, everybody in the industry at that point, and you would hear all these different takes on it, you know, know. well, some people, you know, some people are saying, well, you know, everyone understands the risk and they're choosing to come or not come. And (laughs) and my take was, well, that's not really responsible because if I understand the risk, then I understand that by performing here in this setting, I am allowing people to take a risk that they may not totally understand. Um, I'm allowing them to put themselves in danger and to put their loved ones in danger and to put their entire communities in danger. And sure. so we were playing Denver and that was the night that, um, that Rudy Gobert, uh, yep, exactly. Popped. Yep. And, and, Tom we were, Hanks and I got was it like, too. that was the, same. and I was like, I know, I know it. I know that it's over. Yeah. Um, and so the next day we were in Lawrence, Kansas on a day off and it felt really, um, really like apocalyptic that day because that was the day where everyone in the world kind of got it but we specifically were parked the bus was parked behind this hotel that was it used to be an old mill i think okay and so where the bus was was against the i guess it's the kansas river um (laughs) does that sound right does it sound like a thing to you (laughs) mississippi river i i uh i don't know Sure. I'm going to look. Hold on. I'm actually literally going to pull it up on a map because I have to know. It is the Kansas River. Kansas Um, River. There you go. So we're in this hotel uh, that used to be a mill off the Kansas River. And, like, we're in this back parking lot. It's surrounded by woods. And, like, there is, um, like, nothing else back there. It is except for, like, an encampment of, like, unhoused folks. Um, Right. So just say us and this encampment. And in order to get to the rest of the town, you have to go, like, up through the hotel like as you're like lower than the rest of the city and then like through a bridge and then you're kind of in the middle of town and it was just like dead no one was there and we were in that back parking lot and we called our agent and said like hey so obviously like we're not going to be able to do the rest of these shows 
what yeah. do we think? And we were, we're looking at all the data available to us and we said, okay, we, we're seeing that there are not any cases yet or not a substantial amount of cases yep. in St. Louis. Let's do one more to get all of the, especially for the support bands, to like let them get the, the money they're going to need to get home at least. Right. We went and played the last show in St. Louis and um, literally thought that we were going to be back playing shows six weeks later. We, we rebooked the tour for May. <laughs> yeah. And uh, right. that's, you know, funny now. And then yeah. before we had even really gotten home and unpacked, we were like, well, May is not happening. And so yeah. we rebooked for July. And oh, uh, obviously that didn't happen. And then we took our tour that was supposed to be now, and we moved it to February, and then we moved it to July, and we're moving it again. And uh, we got our fingers really crossed for this time next year. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Um, is your phone connection okay? I'm I'm losing you a little bit. I I made oh. out everything you said, but it's a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. On, if you're on Wi-Fi, um, I am on Wi-Fi, so I thought that oh, okay. it should be yeah good. Sometimes you just get these things; they happen. It could be on my end too, but it's okay. It's it's really not bad. It just it was like, you know, when it, it speeds up and slows down your voice, sometimes it does that. Yeah. Um, okay, like I'm sorry. Well, for a second. No, no, it's fine. I, everything came through. I just wanted to check okay. on that. Um, no, but yeah, it's so fun. It, we, we have almost the same story. We played a show um, when you were in Denver. I guess we played in Charlotte. And the next day, we had a day off. It was a Thursday. And um, exactly the same thing. It was like information was changing literally like every half an hour, like, are we going to Atlanta? No, we're not. Atlanta says come. Like our our agent says it's all shut down. Like what do we do, you know? We, we no one knew, you know what to do. And we made like a call literally at um like at bus call. Like our driver woke up and we're like, "Yeah, we're not going south to Atlanta. We're going north to Canada." Like the tour's over. You know, it was like that much of a judgment call. And I guess you guys you guys went one day longer than we did, you know? Yeah. And and that was pretty much the end of it for everybody. Yeah. You know, we yeah, played right. that Absolutely. show. And I remember we were driving home and it took two days to get home because of, you know, the driver laws. And yeah. I, I'm just checking our social feeds and like probably three more days of shows happened, I think, for other bands. Like I was watching other friends on tour trying to do it. I remember people in California were splitting the shows into like a matinee and a night show to cut the capacity in half. Oh, and, um, yeah. I was seeing that happen and then it just got turned off all this, you know, someone yeah. unplugged it. Some bands were, yeah, some bands were, were actually getting a lot of shit for, for playing too. At the, I mean, but at that point, I think the bands that were playing, they, they pretty much knew they shouldn't be right. I mean, now, I mean, now we all, it's easy to say now, right? Of course, now we, we look yeah. back and go, oh, like the bands that played on the Saturday or the Sunday, like, oh, they absolutely should have known it wasn't right. But yeah, it's, it's amazing how much, how little we knew then. and. Really, I guess we still don't know that much, but uh, but man, it's just just crazy to think about that. Um, so so what has been what has it been like for you then? I guess over the past, I guess we said nine months. Um, I want to talk about all the stuff you guys have coming out. You know, with the the, the upsides, uh, the new song, uh, and and the suburbia new song, and all that you're putting out mm -hmm. and have put out. Um, you've done that. How did this all kind of come about? Like in your minds, like. You get home in March and you talk about it and you say, okay, what the hell are we going to do? Um, yeah. How did that all kind of happen? So, yeah. So the plan had, was, was always to do the, the two bonus tracks. Um, and we were actually even kind of working on them a little bit on the tour, like at soundtrack some days, just like, oh yeah, you know, just not 
really working on them, but just so everyone could kind of hear what was ruinating and, and the ideas that were percolating. Um, and then we got home from the tour. We realized, obviously, that everything was shut down. The plan was that right now, we were supposed to be on a tour where we played Upsides in Suburbia every night, both records in full. Yeah. Um, and we were going to do a leg of it now and a leg of it in the wintertime. And the, we're still hoping to do it. You know, that yeah. we're, not, we're not giving up on that yet. Um, we're just waiting for, you know, vaccines. And, and hopefully we get a chance to go do that tour at some point. But um, we wanted to to do something special around the the whole thing, and so we knew we wanted to do the box set. We wanted to put out this big big anniversary box set. Um, and the cool thing, usually with anniversary stuff, is that you get a lot of unheard material, or at least some. But like we had ostensibly released everything that we recorded. I mean, especially right. um, in that time frame. And the budgets that we had, when we would go to the studio, you know, we didn't have time or money to do extra songs. For sure. Right. So, so what was written came out. Um, and that left us in a position where I'm like, okay, well, I want to do this big commemorative anniversary box set and I have all these cool ideas, but there's not really any new music on it. I mean, there's like different versions of things that no one's heard and these demos and voice notes. And I can get into that in a minute, but there's no other songs. And yeah. I was combing through looking for stuff for the the archival LP that's a, it's a part of the box set. And I stumbled on this voice note and thought, oh yeah, I remember writing that. That was cool. That was that was when we were writing Suburbia. I remember exactly where I was. I was at uh, my dad's place in my stepbrother's bedroom. Who He was sleeping somewhere else, so I slept there that night. Because um, it was during a period of time where I still like wasn't sure where I was living. So I was right. just kind of crashing on like couches and whatever. Yeah. And um I remember writing it, but then when we were, the record, the Suburbia record was so um, planned out, like every song was about a specific thing and there was no space for this one on it. Right. And so I, I don't even think I ever showed it to the guys, but I listened back and thought, hey, that, I like that. What if we made a new Suburbia song out of this old demo? Like we went back and redid the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, the guys liked the idea, but they said, if we're going to do one, let's just do two. Let's do one for upsides too. And right. so I went back and started looking through like old like journals and stuff. And I found all these ideas for lyrics. And um, then we weren't really allowed to see each other once we got home for, for a while. Right. You know, we, we didn't sure. think it was safe at all to yeah. rehearse. Yeah. So I sent voice notes of these two things to the band and, uh, and Casey and Nick specifically um, took some time with them and kind of tried to turn them into more fleshed out ideas. And then once we thought it was safe and, and that everyone was good, we had uh, a few rehearsals where we were doing like temperature checks at the door and like, oh, wow. uh, you know, the, the whole thing, you know, doing it, I'm in a mask with a face shield. And then uh, <laughs> eventually we bought me like a, a, a pop-up like shower tent that you might use for camping, um, <laughs> like a tent that you can stand in. And we put that in a different room in Nick's house uh, and ran my in-ears in there and I stand inside of a tent. And so <laughs> we wrote the songs like that. And uh, and we thought, okay, well, we, we wrote these songs that, that are in the, the style of these two records. We should get the people that worked on those re records involved. So Steve Evitz, who produced 
produced Suburbia, um, yep. was going to produce, and Vince Ratty, who produced The Upsides, was going to mix. But Steve ended up not being able to fly because it wasn't safe to travel. Um, and so we did the whole thing at our live sound engineer, Andy, Andy Clark's studio in Philly. Yep. And Steve was like, I don't even, I don't know. I'm not a tech guy, so I don't really understand how this worked. But like, it was hooked up that he was in his control room in California and we were in Andy's studio in Philly and Steve could like use his talk back button on his console and like use his oh, faders. Wow. And so when you were singing, Steve was producing your vocal, like he could hear the takes right away. Yeah. That's cool. Listening in real time. And as soon as it was over, it was literally like I was in the vocal booth behind him, except we were on other sides of the country. So wow. I would do a take and he'd be like, hey, you know, what if you go up a little bit on this note? Like, can can you have this next pitch? I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do it again. Let's run it again. Um, so that was really cool. So and we, we did that over, you know, same thing. Um, everyone actually, I think everyone got tested before we did those songs in the studio. Um, we spent a couple of days there and same thing, temperature checks and gallons of hand sanitizer and masks on all the time, except for when I'm in the vocal booth. But right. we recorded both of them. And um, and then we were going to actually lead off without on my feet, which is um, at the time people are listening to this probably just came out. Yep. Just and then out. followed yep. up with breakless a few weeks, followed up with breakless a few weeks later. But uh, we were really trying to find a way to get people registered to vote uh, here in yes. America. Yes. Um, you know, obviously a pretty big election just happened. And so <laughs> we thought, well, that's kind of the only card we're holding is that we have these songs that no one's heard yet. And so we, uh, we did like a, an activation with a company called Headcount um, or a nonprofit called Headcount, where if we were able to register voters and register and have people check their voter status and request mail-in ballots. We hit enough of those that we released breakless early. Um, there you go. Yeah. And then now out of my feet. Yeah, no, that's, that's such a cool idea. I saw that. And it's, it's interesting to me, you know, as a guy that's known you a long time and, and seen you guys, you know, go through a lot of different phases musically and put out a lot of great records, um, you know, for you guys really to kind of want to do this, you know, to want to, put together an old song because I know like a lot of times you guys are very focused on, okay, like our current record or, or that what's next or the next progression of, of our band. And, you know, like you guys don't play that many songs from the upsides live, you know, on, on a lot of your tours. Um, you know, obviously it's a yeah. year of celebration, but to go back and to do this much for your fans, like, has that changed a little bit? Like your relationship with, with giving back to your fans? Well, so I think, we we don't yeah you're right we don't play a lot of songs from upside live um and i think that's m not because of any like distaste for the record like I, I still like that record a lot it's more just like it's not it we kind of came into a lot of people's lives around suburbia mm -hmm. and so we don't want to play too many you know we only have so many songs we can fit into a set if we put yeah. three songs from upsides into it that means less songs we can play from No Closer to Heaven, Greatest Generation, you know. So it's kind of just been about like making the best use of the set and playing the songs that we think the fans are going to want the most. Like, I think we have like, um, I think there are bands that have like almost like antagonistic uh, relationships with the fan base in some ways, as, as far as what songs they play. And there's a few songs we don't like playing, so we don't play them because we <laughs> want to enjoy being on stage. But for the most part, our goal is to, to do the thing that, that we think they want us to do. We, we want to have everyone 
want to have a good time. Like we have a, a ton of respect for our fan base. We think that they're like really cool, smart, thoughtful, empathetic people. Yeah. Um, and we want to, you know, we want them to come to our shows and have a fucking awesome night. Um, and we want that out of every record we make too. And sure. so when we make a record, um, there's part of it is thinking, what do we want to do creatively? What's going to satisfy us artistically? But part of it is also the thought of what do we think that the fans might want, right? Like if, if they've been following this band for the last 10 years, their tastes have probably changed. Like our tastes have probably changed. Maybe they want something a little different this time or something a little more subdued or a, a little darker, or maybe they, so we try to read that the best we can. So, um, you know, for making these, there was no hesitation to doing it. Um, it actually felt really fun and comfortable. Like it was like putting on like, like an old sweatshirt and being like, Oh, this thing still fits. feels really, <laughs> feels really good. Right. I feel really comfortable in this. Um, we had a, a blast making the songs. Um, right. and I actually think that like, I think they're really, really good. I'm, I think I'm they are so too. excited. I'm so excited to play them. Um, the out on my feet we shot the video for and um you know my my son likes to watch our music videos it's you know yeah sure fun for him i think to to see dad on the tv or on the phone (laughs) and uh we shot the video and then shortly after he was running around in the kitchen he tripped and he split his chin open and we had to go to the er for him to get stitches and uh i showed him the video on the phone and he watched it 10 times in a row maybe more it was like the only thing that would keep him sitting still in, in the hospital. And since then he watches it a, a ton of times every day, he'll grab my phone and walk it over to me. And like, he doesn't talk yet. He'll just jab it. And then he'll take my finger and jab the phone and be like, the video now, please dad, the video. Right. So I'm like, maybe, the, maybe this song is, uh, is something. Maybe we got a hit <laughs> in, the, right? in the 19 month old toddler demographic here. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, one thing you guys, do really well are some of these themed shows especially with halloween uh and you know last year the limp biscuit was classic this year was cool too i didn't get to see it but uh, i know you guys did like dual blink 182 sets and uh you know all this other stuff talk to me about that and how you were able to kind of turn you know kind of a shitty situation of not being able to do something that you guys love doing so much into something pretty cool yeah okay so i guess i'll start with the halloween idea in general was like and i'm sure this was a thing um for y'all too in in toronto and it's just when we were younger and you know and and we're you know it's local bands and then you're playing like basements and like ymcas and and legion halls or whatever yeah every year there was always a halloween show someone booked and everyone would do a cover set that was just kind of the hook of the show is like you know, the, the flyer would say like, uh, American nightmare, newfound glory, rancid green day. And it's just bands doing covers. Right. Right. And we're like, man, that was so much fun. Like, how could we bring that energy into, you know, like thousand, 2000 cap rooms. And we're like, well, what if we do, you know, cause as, uh, I, I just, like we couldn't picture our fans being like, yeah, let me, pay this money and come see you guys and you're going to play none of your songs which is going to do a cover set (laughs) so we thought let's do we'll do uh these like shorter cover sets and then we'll do our real set and um we started doing it a few years ago we did queen which was a lot of fun we had um we had a high school choir come out and sing with us which it was a blast awesome uh 
and then we did our actual set. And then last year we expanded it. We did eight cities when we did Limp Biscuit and then Wonder Years. And then this year we, um, we had to do it online, obviously, like everything else we had to do the live stream, but I have been try- pushing this idea for a few years. It's like, Hey, there are six of us. What if we split the band into two, three pieces and we do blink songs? Um, and so that was what we did this year. So I did, uh, I played bass and, and played the Mark role um, with Casey as my Tom and Nick as our Scott Travis, um, which is fun. Cause like, I'm not, a, I'm not really a bass player, but the guy was able to like, kind of like fake it through, but Nick is a great drummer. Um, you know, he plays drums in Aaron West in the Roaring Twenties. So yeah. that was fun for him. And then Matt got to be the front man of the other one um and play guitar and sing and they just did tom songs with josh on bass and kennedy on drums so there was a it was a blast we did that um mark from blink actually was cool enough to record like an intro for it nice um and then we did the two sets and then we did wonder years and it was the one of the better days i've had um right in a long time just because our road crew came and worked it too we had our our like uh, well, it was one of our lds and um not summers unfortunately um mm-hmm. Not that we don't love Victor too, but, <laughs> and then, you know, Andy, um, doing front of house and LJ and Michelle. And it was just, right. I walked into the room in the morning and it was like a load in and I started tearing up. I was like, yeah. Oh my God, it's, we're back a little bit right. just for a little bit. Right. I know that we, we did a drive-in show and it was the same thing, you know, like the, even though that we had a, a stage set up in a field in the middle of nowhere, you know, still like, you know, rolled up behind, behind, like we had a little trailer was the dressing room and then our crew was on stage and we sound checked and it was like, I felt the same way. It was like, this is normal. This is like, feels like a normal day on tour. Kind yeah. of, yeah, you know, well, sort and of. Think- and, and it's, it's, it is amazing how just that little bit of it, uh, can, can bring back that emotion. Like you start to realize just how much you really love this. Yeah. I think, I mean, this is a thing that I think you know about me and most people listening probably do, but I am incredibly dull. Like just incredibly, incredibly unfun i i've never had a, a beer in my life i don't like roller coasters i don't nothing nothing that you think is fun is a thing that i do right I, the thing that i my enjoyment in life most of it is honestly derived from and it's lucky that it gets to be my job is from playing music in front of people um it's my favorite thing to do and uh you know to not be able to do it for so long has been really really tough and the live streams are fun for sure and also like you know literally life-saving as far as like you know keeping our groceries uh purchased um but it's still not it's still not quite the same right there's no fans right in front of you um and that's that's the thing that i I like doing more than anything absolutely what's your favorite blink song uh you know what i decided to shut up uh, when we were doing this. I love that song. And I, I heard, I did Mark's show and I mentioned it to him and he was like, Oh, cool, cool, cool. But then later, uh, Nick from one of yours was like, Oh, I saw an interview once where he says he hates that song. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if, uh, if Nick's right or not, but I really like it. I thought it, it's, uh, the chorus is so cool. <laughs> yeah. That's like, shut the fuck up. She said that. Is that that one, right? Yeah. From- that's the one, but the chorus is like, this like it's almost like angular and like the like the bass will cut out and you'll just hear guitar in one ear and it, it was it was a cool like for um you know a band that the 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 book on them is like oh yeah you know these guys write pop songs 
they were doing some really interesting stuff on that one. I thought that was really neat. Oh yeah, no, totally, totally. I remember that record. That's take off your pants, pants jacket, I think, right? And yeah, yeah, I remember that that record coming out whenever it was, and it was like that was that was when Blink just they hit the the stratosphere. Like they already kind of had, but this was like okay. Like they released the CDs and they had like the three different colors. And you didn't yeah. know it was like a blind box, like you didn't know which one you, you were gonna get. And I got the yellow one, which had the like the like fuck the dog in the ass song on it. And yeah, all they my, had like bonus tracks. Yeah, on each exactly. One. Yeah. The different bonus tracks, and my friends were like, like none of them got the yellow one except me. So I was like the coolest. Everyone else had the red <laughs> one. So no, I I um I know that that's just that's just cool. That's really cool that Mark Coppice got involved too with that. And that's that's rad, man. That's rad. It, it's that's the thing, like. As shitty as this year's been, we've all gotten to experience some different things musically that we probably wouldn't have if we just continued like, hey, okay, anniversary tour. Okay, new record. Okay, maybe an anniversary tour. We're, right? We're going to Europe, Australia. Like You just kind of go through these cycles, whereas this has really thrown a wrench in it in a way that like, if you want to look at it positively, like, hey, now, now you guys know how to do a live stream. Like that's another mm-hmm. thing you can you can do at some point, even if everything comes back to normal, right? Yeah. Well, so the the first thing that happened, we got home, and I'm in pure panic mode because most of last year we also didn't really tour because I you know had a, a new baby and I didn't want to be on the road that much. The plan yeah. was to be on the road a lot this yeah. year, and so I was like, oh man, I'm freaking out. Like, you know, I have this this family to support now, and our main source of income just got cut off, and we don't know for how long, and I'm, I was totally lost in my own head and like nothing to focus on kind of just spiraling. And, um, I had this idea where I was like, well, what if I took like commissions, you know, like people hire artists to like paint them, right. Or, or to take photos of their family. Like what if I wrote songs for people and I gave it a shot and did a couple and like loved it. I ended up doing a, a pretty reasonable amount of them, like about 20 of them where, um, people would sign up and they would send me their story, but then we would talk on Skype for about an hour and I would like ask them all these questions and take like pages of notes. Um, all these like details that they must've been like, why does he care what color the house was? Right. But then, and then, (laughs) I know how you write. I know how you write. It makes sense. And 75% of those details didn't make it into the song, but like, I need to know four different ways I can talk about a location because one of them is going (laughs) to rhyme. Right. Um, And then I would write these people their, their own song, like they're just, just for them, um, just from our stories. And then I recorded them with Ace Enders. um, Oh, wow. And then uh, John Allison Weiss did artwork and everyone got a one of a kind seven inch. And then, uh, I actually got to play two of the songs at people's weddings, which, you know, obviously not the wedding that they anticipated this year. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of a special thing for their wedding, too. It's like, hey, I, you know, I wrote this song for them and now I get to play it um, just for the two of them at their wedding. And that was may have saved me in a lot of ways. Like I was really, really losing it um, this, the, that first month. And it like totally refocused me like every day I had I would wake up with the baby hang out with him until it was his nap time, put him down for a nap, run down to the basement, open my computer and, you know, really like just get to work on these songs. And it kept me like regimented and, um, yeah. And like, you know, just kind of 
grounded a little bit. And I ended up, I mean, I really, really love a lot. And, um, sorry, I lost you for a second. You really, really love. I really, really love the songs a lot. Like I'm really proud of them. So I actually went back into the studio with Ace uh, a little while ago and added some layers and some depth to 10 of them. And I'm going to put it out next year as, um, as my first like solo record, solo record. Cool. That's cool. No, that's, that's, that's like awesome, you know, because it, it gave you this motivation, right? Other people's stories to, to be creative and not just feel like a, a worthless bag of shit in your house like so many other people felt, you know? Um, that's, that's awesome, man. That's, yeah, that's, and that's really like, inspiring. Yeah, kind of the thing you were talking about, like the creativity of being like, okay, we're fucked, right? Like, and I think most people listening to this probably get it, but like, to be clear, I don't know, I can't speak for Silverstein, but for Wonder Years, I would say 80% of our yearly income comes from going on tour. Yeah, um, yeah that's about right. Maybe even more. Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. maybe more. Honestly, maybe more. It depends on the year. Um, yeah. You know, like, if you if you luck into some publishing or something, but that's, a you know, a crapshoot. That's, that's not, you know, for certain. So some years it can definitely be more than that. You know, uh, I, there's one year I remember looking at it where it was 94% or something. Yeah. Um, I've never done the math on it, so I, I don't know. I just kind of estimate what it might be. But I mean, yeah, there's there's years when maybe you you put out a record, you get an advance or something from a label, you know what I mean, and then you you take yeah. a little money home or or whatever, or maybe something like online, you know, some yeah, big online a big web store sale, right, or something, right, but, something like that. But other than that, no, I mean, yeah, eighty percent at least for sure. It's all you know, so it's you know, it's scary, and and we are going to probably be the last people back at work, and that's yeah. not to say that like we have it tougher than anybody else. I mean, some of the, the frontline medical workers have had it harder than anybody. I, and I, yeah. you know, my uh, hat is off to them for the amazing and like selfless work that they've done, but we're, we're in a tough spot too. And I think finding different ways to survive um, has been kind of like a, not cool challenge, but a challenge that like maybe uh, yielded cool results. Definitely. Well, well, and here we are, and like, there's, you know, there are things are looking up a little bit. I mean, with with you know these vaccines now, there's three of them. Uh, the president, uh, there's a new one coming, which yeah. uh, I and I know you did some work there too. Um, I actually have a couple fan questions here, if you don't mind answering them. Yeah, uh, one's up, one's about that topic, which I was going to ask you anyway, but I'll I'll use uh, Rodney Romero. I'll use his wording. Uh, the question is, what did he learn, if anything? About America, well, phone and text banking for the election. So the phone and text banking stuff that I did um, didn't yield a, a ton of, uh, there wasn't a lot that I could glean from that, right? Because <laughs> you're sending out these messages and they're, they're pretty canned. And I know that the, all of the numbers say this works, right? Which is why I was happy to do it. Right. Um, that this is effective. But for the most part, you got a lot of people that, that send you the all caps stop to make sure they're t- taken off the list. Yeah. Um, there are some people that, are, you know, but it, as most of the people you're texting because you have their phone numbers, they're, you're texting them because they're probably engaged in some way uh, already politically. Right. And so I wasn't seeing a lot of results from that directly, or there wasn't a lot of information I was getting from it. Um, what I did get a lot of information from was I thought, you know, what might be 
more useful right now is I went on my Instagram and just put up a little question box and said, hey, listen, no judgment from me. If you are thinking about voting and you're considering not doing it or you don't know who you want to vote for or anything else, I would like to answer your questions. And the thing that I found there was there are a lot of people um, disenfranchised with the system mm-hmm. that feel that neither party represents their interests. Um, and what that teaches me about America is that we you know, desperately need ranked choice voting and that we need to abolish the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are also a lot of people who said like, hey, ethically, morally, in my chest, I know Donald Trump's a bad guy, but my family, my community, where I live, all of the people around me are telling me that's wrong and that he's the savior and that he is like literally sent by God. And like, could you answer some questions for me that I can't seem to get straight answers from? And so what it taught Mm -hmm. me there was that, you know, there are people who are not getting, um, you know, like the base fact knowledge that they would like to be receiving. Right. Um, you know, that people are struggling to find information. Um, I had a a conversation and that people are are receiving a lot of misinformation is the other thing. Um, I had a conversation with someone who was like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm concerned about Donald Trump taking my guns and or not Donald Trump, sorry, Joe Biden taking my guns. And I was like, okay, well, Let's just pull up his gun policy and I will read it to you. <laughs> uh, and they were like, oh, like that's smart and good. Like I would like those safeguards put into place as well. Um, you know, it's just the, the, the information that's getting to them is not necessarily like balanced and fact-based information. Yep. So that was another thing that I, that I got from that. No, no, absolutely. Um, no. And that's, that's some incredible work that you're doing for something that you care about and like, you know, I mean, the Wonder Years, I mean, you've touched on political subjects in your music. It's a lot of it is, you know, mo- more like, you know, your your take on social issues and stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if if it was hard when people were telling you to fuck off, you know, shut up and sing and all that, like how much you took no. to heart. Because you don't seem like a guy that really would let that bother you. But there are people that that. Oh, no, it definitely would. bothers me. I'm way, oh, okay. way more sensitive than I think like it's. <laughs> I, you know, I, it's, it, maybe that's not a good thing to admit because it opens you up for more of it, but like, nah, I, I'm one of the people that like, if you get, if, if one person says one mean thing, it cuts me so weirdly deep. I, I try really hard to not like look at anything anymore. Um, but I, I'm okay to take those blows from people when I feel like it's so important. And also like, I'm not a huge Joe Biden fan, right? That's not my guy. Um, yeah. But it was it was the necessary thing I thought was to make sure that Joe Biden was put into office, um, and my you know analysis of that was to say that like no matter who is president of the United States, there is work to do, right? That no matter which we understood one of these two men was going to be elected, and we understood that no matter which one would be elected, there would be work for us to do. And even if it wasn't one of those two men, if it was anybody, if it was uh, John Cena, if it was me, <laughs> if it was Tina Fey, if it was Bernie Sanders, there's always going to be work to do. So let's choose the one that gives us less things to be worried about so that we can concentrate more energy on the things that are still there to be concerned about. All right. 
Uh, let's go on to another fan question, shall we? Sure. Um, this is from uh, Diana Guidon, I think is her name. Uh, he's really vocal about his anxiety and his struggle with it in his lyrics. I'd love to hear about that and about what he does to get uh, to cope with it on bad days. It's one of the things that makes his music so relatable for me. Yeah. Um, Probably a lot of days like that lately this year. A right? lot of days like that. A lot of days. I, you know, I would say, you know, full disclosure, uh, this is probably the lowest, this year is the lowest I've felt in, in over a decade. Um, you know, and I'm sure that's true for a lot of people. Um, you know, a lot of it is just uh, a good relationship with my therapist. And um, when I'm having tough days, I just make sure to make notes of them and then write down what I'm feeling in that moment um, so that I can most adequately explain it during my next therapy appointment, um, which, uh, you know, I'm always looking forward to and to help kind of work through it um, during that time period. Because I think sometimes if you don't write it down and then you get to therapy and that therapy happens to be a day where you're feeling pretty good, you forget to talk about it. And then you aren't given the tools you need to work through it next time. So that's a, that's a big thing for me. Um, yeah. And then just, I think outdoor time is, is so big for me is like, that's like a break. So just like every day I made it a point to, to take the dog for a walk. Um, it was easier when it was light out longer, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, we kind of had a, a system where we'd have dinner and then my wife would take Wyatt up to, uh, do bath time. And I would walk the dog and listen to something I wanted to listen to a podcast or, or a record. Um, and kind of just breathe in being outside and, and look at the sunset, which is, you know, tropey, but nice. And, um, try to soak in a little normalcy and then come back in and do the dishes. And that was what our, that was our night. Um, and that, that's another little thing for me is also, is just doing things. Like when I am the most upset, um, I just try to pick a project and go do that because that forward motion feels like something. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great advice. Uh, and a great question, Diane. I'm sure a lot of people were wondering about and maybe something that you don't talk about all the time. Uh, okay, one more fan question uh, from Nick Teague. Can you ask him about his future plans for Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties? Is he writing any new material? It's a good question. Good question. Good question. So um, Aaron West, for anyone who's not listening, is a project I do that is a um, – oh, wait – for anyone that's not listening, that doesn't make any sense. Everyone's listening. It's a podcast <laughs> for anyone who has not listened to yes. Aaron West. It's a project I do where, um, it's one story, right? It's so it's a, a character named Aaron West that I play on stage and, um, each album is taking you through, uh, his, his life and his story. Um, most recently 2019's routine maintenance. And so, Yes, there's there's plans for Aaron West. There there were there were a couple tours. The first full band um, UK tour uh, had gotten postponed a couple times, and we're still crossing our fingers for May of next year. But obviously, like that, who knows? Who knows? Doesn't look good. Um, and there was a a full band full US tour that was booked and never even announced. Um, <laughs> because so yeah. the hope is to do those. Um. You know, the band that is playing with me right now is um it's been a lot of fun to play with and we do it if we can do it full full band, that means we're coming out as an eight piece um with a three piece horn section and 
you know, guitar, bass, drums, banjo. And then um, I, there's a Catherine, his sister is introduced in routine maintenance. And then at the shows in Asbury Park last year, um, Catherine, uh, played by Nina, um, joined the band. And so it was supposed to be this kind of like, the thing about the, this project is the like the story arc, uh, the canon story is both what's happening on stage and what's happening on records. They're all part of the same universe. Right. And so we introduced a new live character and I was really excited to tour with that. Um, and how that tour went was going to inform the writing of the next record. And so that's, um, you know, everything is kind of in a holding pattern right now for new Aaron West songs yeah. until we can get a chance to, to tour with the full band and a tour with Aaron's sister on stage playing keys and singing as well. There you go. Okay. And you answered Nick's question as well. Um, I've got a question. Who do you like, uh, who do you like for the Super Bowl this year? You're a big football guy. I am. Uh, who do I like for the Super Bowl this year? I think the easy thing is to say the Chiefs. Um, mm -hmm. Because like they just look so dominant, and uh, you know, and and fun to watch. But I really also love watching the Ravens play. I love watching Lamar Jackson play quarterback. That that's yeah. a lot of fun for me. I do kind of think that just because it's a weird year, that like some weird shit's gonna happen. <laughs> it's um, gotta happen. That's gotta be the case. It's right? just it just feels like that's the way that it's going. Like the the division winner of the NFC East is going to somehow sneak into the Super Bowl, like something weird like that. <laughs> yeah, like I don't think it's going to get that weird, but I do think it's going to end up being like something like the Cardinals are going to just right get hot at the right time, and Kyler Murray is so electric, and like yeah, uh, Hops, are just going to end up and, yeah, yeah, just going to end up kind of sneaking in. So I could see something like the yeah. Uh, let, me, let me say, I'm just, my bold take here is, um, let's say the Arizona Cardinals. There we go. Oh, people out there are going to love that answer. There you go. Yeah. That's great. Well, my dude, anything else to tell the people before I let you go? Obviously, the two new, sort of old, they're new, but they're old songs uh, are they're, out yeah. right now. I've been they're trying to figure out cool. a way to describe that, too. It's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. I was reading um, your, you know, Aaron from Hopeless's, um, like, just explaining this, you know, and I got it and I was like, there, and I had to read the paragraph a couple of times to understand that. And I was like, yeah. Oh shit. Okay. They're... Yeah. This is sick. But this, yeah, this might be hard to translate, but these, translate, are, new, right? these are new songs and I'm going to play Brand both new of songs. Them. Okay. Brand new I... songs written in the style of the old records. Right. Right. So I'm going to play both of them. Um, why not? Uh, breakless, why not? breakless is the upsides one. Right. And then out of my feet is the suburbia one. Right. Yeah, that's that's how we we've de uh, delineated between the two, and then yeah, the um, and they're they're a part of the Upside Suburbia ten year anniversary box set, which is uh, a four LP box set. Upsides is the first LP, Suburbia is the second. The third is our bonus track LP, which includes both of these songs, and then all the B sides from both records. Um, you know, Living Room Song, Scared and Sorry, Me vs the Highway, etc. And then there's an archival LP, which is like some true like how it got made shit where <laughs> nice. it's it's demo like, you know, basement demos, including one of a song that we ended up killing before we got to the studio because it just wasn't hitting the standard right. um, for upsides. But then it's also like iPhone voice notes demos. So like there's a recording of a really, really early version of Melrose Diner in Matt's apartment. 
there's a recording of the first time we played any piece of Don't Let Me Cave In where I had the idea for it and woke Nick up at a house we were staying at in Alabama and played through, you know, like, so some really, like, uh, kind of, like, cool, like, um, I don't know, like, almost like anthropology <laughs> type yeah. of like artifacts yeah. right and, and then uh yeah, and getting pre- in is, go ahead yeah oh and then also in it is um a, a 30 page book that's got right. or 32 page book that's got like i wrote like ten thousand words of essays on like the time period and writing and recording those records and the other guys wrote essays too and uh mitch wojcik who's toured with us on and off for oh yeah i know mitch. as long as we've been a band yeah uh, kind of open up his like vault of all these old photos I'd never seen. Cool. And so it's all this kind of old cool stuff in there. That's he shot awesome. uh, a new photo for the art because he shot the suburbia art. And then James Heimer, who did the upsides reissue art, did um, new illustrations for it. So it's like same thing with like, the producers kind of. It's the people that worked on the original ones kind of reworking for this. Awesome. Well, uh, the pre-order is out now. And don't miss it. It's probably going to go real fast if it's not already gone. So go get it right now. That's funny to put all those like voice notes and demos like press it on vinyl. Like I don't yeah, know why I that's mean, I don't know why that seems funny to me, but it it's, no, it agree. just does. <laughs> we were joking around about it and like whether or not it was. But I, I the kind of thought I had was like, do they sound good? No, you know, <laughs> full, full disclosure, like no. But I think it's cool to see how it got to where it was. And I think this is like the only time it's worth, it's valuable to show those things to people yes. is for like an anniversary like this. And I think if, if I, if it was a band that I was a huge fan of, I would be interested in hearing like, what did this song sound like the first time you thought about it? Like literally like an hour after the idea came to you. Yeah. Um, so that stuff's on there and it's like, I kind of feel like people are going to listen to it once or twice, but it's going to inform the listening of the song, you know, forever after that. Absolutely. I love that. Dude, well, thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy and, and you know, all that. No, it's been going so much on. fun to talk. So, yeah, really. Like, we got to do it again before another five years. I can't yeah, believe it's absolutely. been five years. That blows my mind. Neither can I. That actually was like, you know, and when I think about it, I'm like, you're right. It was 2015. It was Toronto. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you played our Toronto. Oh show yeah, that that's right. Yeah, I, I I filled in for Motion City soundtrack, and I played you the sure Motion did. City soundtrack cover, which I was trying to remember how I did it. That's one. If anyone has a video of me playing that from Toronto, I because w- I don't remember how I did it, and I remember used like a I used like an open tuning, and like I was into it, and I don't remember. But no, that was that was a really cool experience. Thank you for having me at that show. Oh, thank you for for stepping in. Um, that was a night. Yeah, Justin from Motion City's voice couldn't handle uh, another show in a row. Um, right, which I respect. You know, know sure. your body. Sure. And uh, and it was great of you to pop in and and help us out that night. So, um, wow. Yeah, big, great talking to you. I me love too, talking man. to to anybody. Um, you know, like I said, I love hanging out with my kid, but he doesn't know a lot of words yet. And so I don't talk a lot during the day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, here is Breakless and Out On My Feet on Lead Singer Syndrome. Dan Campbell, thank you so much. Appreciate it, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Only four. 
From the Wonder Years? No, it's not old. It's new. It's brand new. It's just done in the vein of their old stuff. Super cool. I love what they're doing. And I want to thank Dan for jumping on with me again. You know, he's got his kid upstairs running around, all these things on the go, and he still found time. So that's awesome. I haven't checked if all the box sets are sold out, but have a look because if there's some available, you're going to want to get one. And of course, go listen to those songs over and over again because they're awesome. And go back and listen to those records too. I put on the upsides when I was getting you know ready to talk to Dan. And man, it just sparked my memory of just what a great, from the heart, vulnerable, excitable record that it really is. And I love to see them celebrating the milestones. Absolutely. Next week, I will be back again with a brand new episode. And speaking of Twitch, on Tuesday, I am going to have probably the most talked about person on this podcast. Finally, on the podcast, Mr. Chris Cresswell of the Flatliners, also filling in in Hot Water Music, among other things. He will be finally joining me live on Twitch That's Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So head over to twitch.tv slash shanetold to catch it live. It'll be a lot of fun. So yeah, don't sleep on Twitch. It's a really, really good time. Again, that's Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern with Chris Cresswell. Check it out. I'll let you go. Happy holidays. Peace and love. And don't forget, I'll be back this Friday with Mike counting down the top 10 albums of the year.